0: Wait, John. You can't use that. It's copyrighted. I can't. It's fucking John Williams, man.
1: Oh shit. All right, let's try this. You should have shotguns with like
0: this kind of thing,
1: you? Now you wanna get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts.
0: Maybe. Maybe not. You fuck yourself. Got a bad feeling about this. That's fucking interesting, man. That's fucking interesting. Crews fall out all the time. The world's in an imperfect place. They we are all singing, all dancing crap with the world. Sacrifice dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. We should have fucking shotguns.
1: This is the me in. So I keep having this, uh, this, this recurring, this recurring dream where uh, I'm, I'm lying on the ground and my legs are disfigured. And um, just a bunch of old people are just taking terms, bashing my fucking head in with a giant stone hammer. Are they naked? Some of them are naked. <laughs> Some. They're naked underneath their clothes. <laughs>
2: You've been watching a lot of Ari Aster and Robert Eggers, I think. Oh,
1: and there's the tie-in. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome again to uh, Film Me In, Be Real. I'm your host, John Vendro. Uh, joined as always with my co-host Nick Julian. Salutations, everybody! And we're joined uh, with our good friend Jay Collins. So stoked to talk about this, guys! Now um, I can see it in his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired, but I'm ready. In case you guys didn't catch the tie-in, uh, we're going to be doing a very special episode today. Um, not so much focusing on these two directors, but more so what they represent. Uh, I guess, in the, in the film industry right now.
0: Yeah, what they've been doing, what they've been up to.
1: We're going to be talking about uh, Ari Aster and Robert Eggers. Two game changers. Absolutely. Completely killing it right now. Yeah, well, so, so these guys are kind of... This, so this, this episode is actually Nick's idea because Nick, Nick has just been absolutely fascinated with the fact that these guys are getting the budgets and the exposure that they're even, that they're even getting right now.
0: And they deserve it wholeheartedly. It's just crazy the fact that you can see Midsummer or Hereditary, like when they came out respectively, like in a multiplex in Oklahoma. You know, it was just wide release, dude. It wasn't like, you know, select cities. It wasn't New York. It wasn't L.A. It wasn't San Francisco. It was everywhere. And, and these movies are fucking dark. They're mo- It's crazy. The hype was
2: really real for them, too, when they came out. like The critics were, were crawling all over Hereditary, oh, yeah. all over The Witch. I remember when The Witch came out. I think we saw it in the theater together. I um, believe so. A lot, of, a lot of my friends who actually saw these movies didn't really care for them, and I think a lot of it was the hype. But I watched them, and I just like fell in love with it because I watch a lot of horror movies, and these ones actually scared me. They actually get to me.
1: Yeah, so it's it's almost like the birth of a new like horror genre, which we were talking over text and like one of the terms that we actually we decided like genre name. Uh, Jay and I decided on the term identity horrors.
0: That's good. I, I like it. Yeah, because they're they're
1: not necessarily psychological horrors in the same way that like the they thing a is a psychological further. horror. Repulsion is a psychological horror, but they're they're more so like horrors about one person struggling with some sort of identity problem
2: they definitely exist also in like a prestige horror zone where they're they're doing they're they're tackling drama in a big way the drama is just as important as the horror and informs the horror uh there's not a lot of like just shock moments just for the sake of it there's always a story need a reason for it
0: they make the um the horror elements very human you know like it people can, can relate to these movies like it there's some really dark shit, and it's like can't it, wait it's to get into g- spoilers. So. Oh yeah, I know, man.
1: <laughs> These guys are they're 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 changing they're changing the rule book on horrors. Um, I mean, because there there was a period of time where I felt like horror movies were they've gone through so many different evolutions, and there was a period of time where horror movies were just slashers, but they were still good. But then there was like a big meaty era where a horror movie just came out um to to just try and i guess sell as many tickets with as much gore as possible and nobody really cared about writing the story or creating like a good atmosphere i mean like you get like the most like popular horror movies over the last like 10 years aside from these have you know been shit like would you rather and you know the the bye-bye man or whatever you know just shit that like you watch it and you don't really understand why it's a movie and you and you wonder where we went wrong cuz you got things like you know even even like, Freddy Krueger series are like like, they're they're hit and miss. But like, they they still have like good elements to them. I mean even like Nightmare on Elm Street three is like a movie that is like cheesy but still has a good atmosphere
0: it was riding the line it there's, was really close
2: there's a thing if we like if i could just go a little bit into the history of horror um, there is a time that this reminds me of and it's rosemary's baby and the exorcist and both those movies were oscar nominated huge films made by some of the biggest directors of their time and after that the horror genre kind of grew up into slasher films
0: yeah like after they, they were shot the it was, it was and all 70s. schlock man that's pretty much what it was and then
2: and then now we're kind of coming back to that. I'm kind of like, there's, a, there's a, like a, you guys know Tennessee Williams, like the steamy dramas that he would write, like the plays. Oh yeah. These movies feel like they have that atmosphere, but then they take it to that horror level.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. Um, you know, I was gonna add about like the fact that the state of horror today, most of them are like basically haunted house films. We're like conditioned to think that jump scares are, are terrifying, and these movies don't contain jump scares that's the that's the fucking beauty part man that's just like that 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 perfect center nugget you're like there is no jump scares yet you're you, you're actually like completely unsettled when you walk out of these films it's committed
2: horror you got to sit in it you got to sit in that fear oh yeah dude with the characters
0: these movies are weirdly divisive in a lot of ways
1: too and and just to just to clarify for anybody that's not necessarily familiar um robert eggers directed uh the the witch and the Lighthouse, which just came out last year, and uh, Ari Aster, he he, he directed uh, the Hereditary to start, and then uh, Midsommar, which also just came out last year, I believe. Yeah, yes, um,
2: underrated movie last year too.
1: But yeah, these so I've noticed that these movies are weirdly divisive in a lot of ways, um, which I can kind of see, but I also am sort of confused by. Where whenever I talk to somebody about them, it it's it's like you never know the answer that you're gonna get. Like sometimes people will be like, "Oh, I really like that movie," or they'll Say that they really hated it.
0: they thought it was boring. The or, the, the the
2: the the trick is with the the description because these movies, um, if you just describe them basically, they don't really they could they could sound like something you've seen before. They really could. I mean, especially *Midsommar* and *Hereditary*. Like sure, Ari Aster. He, he he makes movies that kind of you've seen the idea before: a haunted house thriller or a cult thriller.
0: Yeah, *Rosemary's Baby*. But it's all about the Wicker details. Man. Yeah, it's dude. It's all about, it's the about what happens. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well
1: these guys are these guys are real filmmakers. I mean they they, they care about what they're doing and they're they're making
2: every frame of painting.
1: Yeah, and, and what's weird is that they're doing it now in this in this genre that has basically just, you know, been on life support for the last who knows how long. You know, I mean the only other good horror concept that I can think of that I'd seen in Forever was um, It Follows, and I liked it because it was so minimalist. Right, and I appreciated that the the time that went into creating the atmosphere in that movie.
2: Well, that was a stepping stone too. That movie was a stepping stone to these movies coming out. Oh, I I a
1: two four the production company. Yes, was, I was trying to remember who's. Yeah, it was a two Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, for anybody that hasn't seen these movies, we're going to just kind of give you guys a quick rundown of each movie um, chronologically. Chronologically which one came out
2: first, which I think is the witch. Yeah. We'll yes, talk which, a which is the
1: witch, and then um, after we've kind of gone over that. Um, we're going to get into some more heavy uh, film analysis and how we have felt about watching these movies. So for starters, you have
0: um, The Witch. Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about The Witch? So it's a period piece. Um, it's during the Puritan era. And uh, this family is like excommunicated from this town. And so they have to move away and they move out to like a rural area and uh, isolated. yeah, isolated from the rest of society. And like some weird things start happening, like their crops aren't growing, like just the the father's like a religious zealot, and like he's starting to lose his mind, and everybody's sanity is like fraying. And uh, it's starting
2: to something is like infecting the entire family, yeah,
0: and nobody knows why. And like it slowly kind of unfolds. And one thing I wanted to point out the, the way that uh, Robert Eggers um employs like animals in his movies, especially this one. They're like a vehicle for whatever like sinister, malevolent force is, is at work. You gotta it's, watch out for that goat. Man. Yeah, dude, that bunny, too. Dude, that bunny's like, dude, fuck you, dude. Oh, sorry. Go, go oh, on. Oh, I was just going to say that like, eventually everything comes to a head and some terrible things begin to happen.
1: Well, so what is, it, what is it that you think? So The Witch came out in 2015, so five years ago now, which is crazy to me. But what do you guys think it is about these movies that made it stand out to, to the layman moviegoers?
0: It's actually a tough one because like they had a problem marketing this movie too, which that's actually been like the problem with a lot of these movies too. The people that are kind of afraid to see him or they go in and they're expecting one thing and get something completely different. Like I said, no jump scares in this movie. Um, it's all about like building atmosphere and like a slow burn, man. The, the notable thing is the production value too. Cause like it gets somebody involved, like the imagery, even in the trailer, you're like, wow, this could get the layman moving go or come in like, coming to see this movie because they're like oh shit it's sinister force it's a haunted house movie but it's in puritan times interesting you know like i mean that's that's how i feel anyways
2: the hold the hold on certain scenes to create the horror it's the opposite for every single moment where you'd have a jump scare formulaically put into a horror movie this Mm -hmm. scene has a scene where the characters become confused all of a sudden like one of the opening scenes something's there and then suddenly it's gone Mm-hmm. That's in that kind of horror. The all of a sudden realizing that the character is going to have to deal with that, and then there's also a, a huge element of gaslighting that goes oh, throughout yeah. the whole movie, yeah. where it's like the blame keeps being pushed aside and pushed around, and the, the people need so need so much to justify themselves that they start to destroy their own family unit.
0: Yeah, and the the fraying of sanity kind of helps with that, and the fact right. that like they're in a time where like they're not like educated. All they have is like religion. To like guide them, the only filter they can yeah, see. Yeah, that's through. that's it. That's yeah, yeah. I think
1: that there is like a weird. There's a subconscious level of relation between these movies and your average film goer, and something that they don't even necessarily know why um, it makes them uncomfortable. But it, because, especially starting with this movie, I mean, all of the, all of them have this element in some way or another. But they're. They're weirdly, um, they're, they're an examination of, of people and whether it be their relationships with their family, um, their love, their you know partners, boyfriends, girlfriends, whatever, or their relationship to society. But it's something that I think most people don't realize that they are feeling and they feel weirdly connected to a movie like that. That that sort of strikes them in like a. And in, in, in not a, like you said, it's not like a jump scare, Nick. But it's mm-hmm. it's like a horror in in a way that's like looking at yourself in the mirror when you really don't want to.
2: Also, that and that is absolutely a scene that's actually put into one of these movies as well. Um, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, the uh, the the signing the signing of blame. The feeling of being in a domestic situation. Remembering when I was a kid, remembering my parents yelling. I lived in the room next to them, and remembering them yell in the other room, and how I would, like put my head under my pillow try to kind of like silence that that's what these movies get me more than anything they get me that feeling of like wanting to hide or wanting to not deal with the situation that's happening at the time
1: or you want to bury your head in the sand exactly right
2: but you can't you can't look away it's going to keep happening it's going to keep going and it's going to escalate uh the witch to me has one of the better escalations i mean i think robert Edgers does a great job at that that escalation that happens throughout the movie um it's a slow burn but whenever yeah. it gets to that, that mm-hmm. point, it's, it's not a slow burn anymore. Everything's happening all at once, and it's really awful to watch. It's like, it's like you're a rubbernecker with these yeah, movies. Dude, <laughs> yeah, dude,
1: totally, man. Sort of like the consequences of putting something off or, or yeah. being, being blissfully ignorant or intentionally ignorant. Intentionally ignorant, definitely. And then watching those things you know, come to a head and then really having to deal with the consequences of those in a way that you were never really prepared to deal with them and yeah. also
0: like the thing to to note about the witch is like so how well it's filmed and like how like the attention to detail even in like using the old english like they they go they really make like a legitimate period piece but then mix like More so it with than horror. most movies have. Yeah, it's insane, man. He did it twice. Like The Lighthouse the same thing but with The Witch like Well, there's it, even
1: like a little Sorry to interrupt, but oh, there, no, there's no, you're there's far- a little thing at the end of The Witch where he he it says that it's all pulled from like folklore of like real old English yep. um, like scriptures and like a lot of the languages that they use in the movie is drawn directly from those that, that literature.
2: What if you told your kids the story of the witch that was going to come and take them away if they were naughty? That's what this movie is, but then it examines it as if it's real. And As, say, yeah, how could ten.
0: this really unfold? Right, this really happens to a family like so. Yeah. Like
2: this story used to be told to scare kids. Now this story is being told to scare adults. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> to scare adults. Don't be like that. Don't treat your kids like that. Yeah,
1: there's nothing scarier than an 80 year old woman just walking around naked. <laughs> That's adult fear. Yeah, dude, <laughs> that is adult. <laughs> that is totally adult That's fear. That's gonna be me someday. <laughs> oh shit. So following the witch. Um, you had Hereditary, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Jay's uh, at the bit. I love this Get one. It. This is my favorite. Uh, Hereditary, of course, was directed by uh, Ari Aster. Um, and, and Jay, <laughs> Jay, why sorry, don't, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about what Hereditary is? Is
2: okay. So Hereditary, uh, on the surface, what it's about. on the surface is it's about a woman dealing with her mother's death and trying to understand what her mother was trying to say to her so it basically opens up and we basically see that there's a funeral happening then that the that the father wakes up his son says time to go to the funeral and you get like the, kind of the idea that the son is kind of he's kind of lost he's not really there they go to this funeral and you see the mom give a speech about her about her mother this is in the trailer and it's actually a really effective trailer but she gives this speech and she just goes off on her own personal shit about her mom. Like even not even kind of throwing her under the bus a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and and like, by prefacing it by saying
1: she's a very secretive person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of being like, I'm not racist, but Right, right. <laughs> and so she's dealing with that death because she's confused
2: about it. And she has a do- she has a son who's a stoner. And that's a big defining character aspect of him. And then you have the daughter who is malformed. She's got a facial deformation. She just looks like Jason Voorhees. It's not her fault. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the daughter does a whole bunch of weird stuff she's like clicking all the time and
1: she looks like she has like Tourette's or
2: something and the father's just trying to hold it all together dude, <laughs> and, that, <laughs> whatever, Ryan, and the mother makes guy. really creepy real true to life miniatures of everything yeah the opening shot of the movie is amazing <coughs> uh, opening shot where it, it's it's you're inside of a house inside of an office and you see all these miniatures and it zooms in on a miniature house which you then discover is the miniature version of the house you're in and then you see the kid laying in bed, and he gets up, and it's in the miniature. It's just a no, it's dude. Seamless, it, like beautiful. that shit's that's
0: beautiful. It's like it's like a perfect culmination between Kubrick and Wes Anderson, dude. It's yeah. like it's fucking yeah. amazing,
1: man. That's what's so strange about this movie is that it's, 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 it, and same with with Midsomer as well. Um, but it's just Ari Aster's style in, of directing in general is that his movies are so inviting, in a way that like they they make yeah. you feel like comfortable with what you're watching because like. Someone like the editing and, and like, mm-hmm. well, it just feels like it feels like a comedy a lot of the times. And so true. it makes it makes you let your guard down. And then then then
0: when your guard is down, some horrific shit happens. And then
2: you're still laughing for some reason. But you're <laughs> utterly terrified. Right. Yeah.
0: You're like, man, did I just see what I just and saw? I'd say
2: that more for Midsummer. That's true. Hereditary is much more straight up traumatic. Yeah, it's more
0: Uh, of a, like, if you can call it a traditional horror movie, like, it has, like, traditional horror movie beats. It's the closest one to all four of these movies. Being a traditional horror film. But but then it has, like, the, you know, the element of what the fuck am I watching, you know? What the fuck horror, man? WTF horror right
1: there! <laughs> and you
2: guys, you guys watched uh, his previous his short film. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. The strange something. thing about the Johnsons, or something, yeah. something like that. Yeah, Which Hereditary sure,
2: feels like a growth off of that movie.
1: You sure. know, in a lot of ways, yes, uh, I could see domestic that. setting, something familiar,
2: something very yeah, nice family. and comfortable, but there's something, there's something rotting underneath. Um, one of the things that is great in Hereditary is that there are actually miniatures of the house all over the house, and they're hidden all over the house, and you'll see them up downstairs, yeah, the bottom uh, yeah. of their staircase. They have one that looks like you can see underground. Yeah, all you the see the roots and stuff. And, yeah, and like looks all. It's like destroying the house at the
1: top. Well, um, so that's that's another thing that I noticed about these movies is that, um, especially with the Ari Aster movies, and mostly with the Ari Aster movies actually, is that they're they're weirdly disorienting in certain t- places in the movie, and it, it's almost like it, it's like a weird like 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 a Kubrick way, like the way that he handles his camera. Or like some of like the imagery that you see, I feel like it made me feel queasy. Like it made me feel like sick almost watching it, and then it makes you feel like you're you're actually a part of this weird fever dream.
0: Yeah, it does kind of give you that disorienting feeling, especially since his shots are really long too. You know, there's not a lot of cutting, especially in like in a really traumatic like scene. They're they're just really long and fluid, but like and sometimes they like flip and yeah, like yeah, he flips there's the camera around. Shot in yeah,
2: hereditary. I think there's a shot where it flips no, that's a that's mid-summer well, midsummer. well, that Summer. one does the I yeah, that's the that. that's
1: the Millennium Falcon spin. Yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, hereditary has some of the best acting in a horror movie that I've seen in a long time. Oh man, Tony Collette, Toni Collette. she got snubbed hard. Way for not hard getting an Oscar nomination for that movie. Dude, that's one of the be- my favorite performances I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, man. I mean, her we're, face
2: we're, is absolutely like hard to look at sometimes. Dude, but, like, it really
0: is. The entire I know exactly movie. when you're talking about. <laughs> that's the thing about the Oscars, though. Not to get into that, but just they they, they don't men- they don't look at horror films, and that's why I'm really upset that these films don't get more attention, because like. Especially hereditary, like all of these movies, really. But they're they're fucking beautifully shot, man. Like, I think it's part the of the reason why shot we're here, though. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Because because
1: now I I think we're actually seeing the the possibility. Yeah, of a whor- absolutely. we people are being shown. That you, you can do something like a horror movie doesn't have to be a throwaway anymore. You can actually do something with these movies.
2: It takes the drama to the highest level. It has to. Oh, That's yeah, a horror man. movie. And if you if you if you take advantage of that but you keep you reminding yourself, as which I think these guys do that these are real people in his mind, these are real characters, then every single horror moment has so many aspects going into it where you're like worried about this person, but you're worried about this person and you're confused. And so you're constantly just like, you don't know what to think. You had no idea who to side with, no idea what to think. Like, the dad in Hereditary is like – it's like you understand Tony Collette's character, but then you're just so – you feel so bad for the dad the whole time. Yeah. Just like, man, you're trying. You really are trying. He's kind of like <laughs> the audience
0: in a way. You're like, that's us, man. Like these movies are very
1: strong character pieces. Yeah, you you find yourself relating in, in like, the weirdest ways that you – I don't know. I guess, I guess I can't really think of, like, a horror movie that I watch where I relate to the character –
2: I think that a lot of older movies have actually done this. I think that Jaws is a good example of a horror movie with a strong family unit and strong characters. It's not quite to the level that this one is, but I think that Ari Aster definitely he's he's not Kubrick, he's not Lynch, and neither is Eggers, but they take they've they've watched all these old movies and they've taken all of that and like use all these techniques, and they're like those guys who actually studied all that stuff and oh, I apply mean, all yeah, of it. Yeah,
0: they're they're both from the AFI, by the way. They're like they're classically trained film students. I feel like that's why you know the, the this they're only on their sophomore efforts. I know, and they're fucking like it's like they've been doing it for twenty five years. You know, right. like it's they're it's showing unreal. everybody how it's done. Yeah, dude, it's really it's really a sight to behold, man.
2: Do we want to move on to the next movie.
1: I think we're ready. Yeah, all um, right. so
0: I believe that takes us to Midsummer. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it does. If we're
1: going in chronological yeah, order, chronological, yeah, yeah, the yeah the let's, order. Let's I believe that. Midsummer came out before light, the Lighthouse. It did. Yep. Okay, so um, I guess I'll go. I guess I'll yeah. Um, it's your turn, John. <clears throat> so Midsummer is how do I describe Midsummer without giving anything away? Midsummer is a story about a young girl going through a very very early midlife crisis, um, going uh, on a retreat. With her boyfriend, uh, who she's sort of having troubles with, and his friends,
2: they're all college students. They're, yeah, yeah. They're, Ant-
1: they're doing their anthropological right. That's yeah, yeah. So that's what, was, that's what I was getting to. So th- so they go on. They're going on a retreat to Europe with her boyfriend and his friends, who are all. Um, one of them is doing their thesis on um, the midsummer culture that happens in Europe every 100 years or something like that. 90 years. 90 years, right? Um, and so everyone's going along to kind of. Have fun, and they bring the girlfriend along because she is going through a really tough time. And they go to this place in Europe, and they are basically um, welcomed in to a pseudo secret society. It's not necessarily like a secret society, but definitely lesser known um, subsect culture of uh, Swedish Midsummer traditions. And then while they're there, she goes on a journey of self discovery while. Some good things and some bad things unfold.
2: It may be the most positive of all these movies. <laughs> weirdly enough. Oh, absolutely. This, so
1: this is really the, the the biggest character piece out of out of any of them, and it's also it's also a horror movie where all of the most horrifying moments take place
0: in the daytime. Stark, bright. That's beautiful it's color palette. It's, it's insane, man. It's crazy. Like some. Whenever you think of a horror movie, you think dark, right? Not this movie, man. It's fucking right out there, like in the it's, brightest part of the day, man. Yeah, and, and it's flowers got this and everything. Glow to everything. Yeah, it's just amazing Haunting. to
2: look at. I, I, I thought. I think the opening shot of this movie, just that picture, the tapestry in <laughs> the forest afterwards, and just that set. It sets you up. So the music oh, yeah. that plays at yeah. the beginning, I was just like, I'm even in. even yeah. then, yeah. it feels yeah, like in. a Wes
1: Anderson movie. The way it opens up, <laughs> it's, it's totally weird. Does. It's like you're about to watch like the Isle of Dogs or some shit. Like it's, it's so fucking weird. And and talking about. Performances that totally got snubbed. Florence Pugh, yeah,
0: she is. She really does absolutely.
1: Every time I say her name, I get goosebumps because she is just she's phenomenal. And and when we did the Oscars episode, I was I was absolutely praising her um, performance in Little Women, which is is still fantastic. But I mean, this movie was just like she deserves every role that she could audition for because she's very good at playing dynamic uh, characters. Yeah. And she's really good at making you feel like the emotions that she's portraying on the screen are genuine.
0: I mean, you feel for her. You really do, man. Yeah. Like, you know, she like, they, they kind of paint her in this picture that she's kind of annoying, you know, like, I feel like that that's what they're trying to do. But really like when you look below everything, like you could totally be that character. Well, She feels you know? like a real person Yeah, like, in, in
1: like the situations where like, you can tell she's kind of awkward. Like she's at the party with her boyfriend like in the beginning of the movie, and like she's just like standing there. And like, we've all, we've all either been that guy or we've had that girlfriend or boyfriend. You right. Know, like, the, and like, it's hard to say that she, it's hard
2: to say that she's, that it's wrong that they have, that he has issues. Maybe the way he's, maybe the way he's dealing with it isn't so right. But I think I, 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 I saw an interview where Ari Aster was actually talking about how he did try to write all the characters to have at least purposeful reason. I think a lot of people will read this, and maybe you guys did, I don't know, but people read Mitsumar as a, It's definitely about how her boyfriend sucks and how she needs to get away from that relationship. But I don't think it's that cut and dry. And I don't think that Ari Aster is ever that cut and dry with the way that he writes his characters. Like, you kind of understand why he has a problem with her because she's always having problems. But then you know, but you know for, for sure, because you're the viewer, you know for sure that her problems are real. Very, very, yeah, weird. yeah.
1: Well, that's that's what's really interesting about it is that it's sort of like the the marriage story like conundrum where it's like, especially coming from like the filmmaker, we're like, because you told me that like this was basically his breakup movie, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's weird because he's trying to portray something in his eyes in a relationship, but then you get like a, a non-partisan viewing of it and then you got you see the the complexities that are being presented in not just a relationship but with people in general and so it's like it's almost like your view on how you might view that particular relationship is altered on how you feel about a relationship in general or whether or not you've had a partner like that and how that will skew your perspective on how you see those two characters
2: uh yeah absolutely and also the uh the uh, religious aspect of the of both movies, we should talk about Hereditary and Midsommar. The religious aspect that's in both of them, different religions, but there's definitely a there's there's two cults. There's a cult in each one. Um, reoccurring themes. They re-occurring both theme. both directors do that. But and but how and how these religious structures will give you a release or an escape or a purpose, and that is actually something that that is part of Midsommar. It's in the DNA of Midsommar, of like because when they film it so beautifully and they show all these happy, beautiful people. Being around you, you you know there's something wrong, but you also kind of want to be swept away in it, and that's one of the amazing yeah, things about Midsummer. you, it's unlike The Wicker Man. While I'm watching, and I'm like, this is a that looks like a great dinner. This is like, these people seem
1: great. It's a very apt description. Yeah, like
0: it feels it feels like a fairy tale, man. The thing is, is the way that they set the movie up, it gets you invested instantly. You're like, dude, this is fucked up, man. Like, and so the fact that you have like these really human characters. You're totally invested at the point when they actually get to the festival because the movie's a slow burn. But, like, you just, like, it slowly progresses into just this, like, fucking horrific nightmare. It's like, starts as a fairy tale, ends in, like, a fucking fever dream, man.
2: Starts as a, well, in Midsommar, actually kind of takes you through a nightmare and then goes into a fairy tale and,
0: yeah. and then back yeah sorry like but um, that's
2: but that's amazing it's a building
0: on his crap I'm not gonna spoil anything ladies not yet. and gentlemen not if you yet. haven't so far like uh,
2: yeah it's hard not to with these movies
1: yeah I know we well want, and we'll, we'll actually get there if anything the next the next movie to discuss is probably the easiest one to to surmise without getting spoil. into it <laughs> yeah. Um Do one of you guys want to? I mean, it's it's basically like a thirty second long
0: summary. Yeah, it's it's a very basic story. You just
2: watched it, actually. So didn't you just
1: watch it? I did. I just watched it uh, yesterday.
0: You want to give it a shot, or you want me to? to... Yeah, sure.
1: Okay. So the lighthouse is um, pretty pretty straightforward. It's a it's a movie about uh, these. It's about these two wikis. Uh, They're basically like lighthouse keepers, and the movie follows the two of them. as they after they get stranded on this island with the lighthouse after a pretty uh, crazy storm, and just sort of follows their descent into uh, madness over the couple of weeks or months or however much time uh, passes by. That's that's basically... <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. the best way to describe You're it. You're stepping out of time with this one, for sure. I mean, it's, it's a movie that... It, it's one of the very few movies in my life that... I watched, and by the time it was over, I had four different interpretations about what really happened in that movie. And with a premise like that, it sounds so straightforward. It sounds like, okay, it's cabin fever. Sick. Like, cabin fever in a lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Easy. But there's – it's it, – man, it – and especially going from the witch to the lighthouse for Robert Eggers is like – it's such a metamorphosis. Truly. And, and like, it, it's it's like – it really made me feel like watching what I felt like when I watched Eraserhead
0: for the first time. Yeah, it's like a salty, seaworthy Eraserhead. Yeah, that's kind of how I get that. That's the vibe I got, too. I,
2: uh, absolutely. Um, very Lynchian. A lot of the imagery, a lot of special affection are very Lynchian. And there's also a great uh, Lovecraftian element to the whole thing.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many elements in there. And, and it's
2: like Lovecraft is so hard to market to people, right? Like The Thing is maybe one of the few... It's so hard to market people. So these this movie subtly puts uh, in, it in, the there. Yeah. in the mouth of madness. Yeah, in right. like the
0: mouth of madness is what right, but that's a cult movie. Yeah, you know? yeah that people definitely have been wasn't trying
2: to yeah. get Lovecraft into mainstream for a long time. I think that Robert Eggers might almost have done it.
1: It's pretty close, yeah. you know, But I, I feel like the Lighthouse. Before you go on that point, but yeah. I, I just just kind of that I do feel like the Lighthouse is also a very divisive movie. Sure, but it got watched by a lot of people. I don't know the numbers or anything, but I heard it's a huge hit.
2: Again, once again, I think that the movie, maybe the movie going audience is growing up. Maybe more people are just aware of these movies now. But these, that's why these guys are so important. They're doing something different and they're bringing it out there and they're actually demanding something of the audience. And the audience is maybe finally ready to have something demanded of them.
0: Yeah, you, I mean, Jay, you and I were talking about this that like, you know, people, yeah, they're becoming more savvy. The fact that like they're actually looking at reviews and like checking movies that they, they weren't normally like accustomed to watch you know they normally they go to the you know the standard blockbuster or whatever like people are branching out and i mean that's why we're talking about these guys you know the the thing about the lighthouse i mean i'm not going to go deep into it but like m- my favorite parts of the movie are the small like the smallest quietest parts which is them two together like it like in a room dude like that shit is like it's fucking gold, man. Those the performances yeah. are like, So dude. Good. Willem oh, yeah. Dafoe and all these Robert Pattinson's just man. Bam, all dude. Of these Basically, just yeah. I mean, and and Willem
1: Dafoe. God damn. I mean, talk about losing yourself in a role. It's, snubbed. That gentleman was snubbed, man. And that movie was snubbed on several levels. Because if we want to get into why this movie is probably as highly praised as it is for for like a layman, that is one of the best looking movies. I've ever, ever made. Seen. It's, yeah, dude. It's. I mean, it's yeah, up they, there, they do it's that thing where they there. they shoot it in the weird um, four three aspect ratio, like an old film, like an old film. But like the the fucking effort that went into the cinematography of that film, it's it's belligerent. It's it's, it's <laughs> yeah, dripping, that's it's dripping We're off right. yeah, of dude, the that's It's dripping off of the TV screen. Like you can taste the fucking the, the DOP sweat. <laughs> like come, it's it's I just. Know. It's amazing. I I couldn't believe it when I started watching it. I mean, like the first ten minutes, dude. I was like,
0: "Dude, you're like rock hard, dude. (laughs) Like, is is this turpentine? Do I taste turpentine?"
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was I was uh, telling you guys when I walked out of the theater after seeing that that I had to get my I had to get my sea legs back (laughs) because I really felt strange. Uh, The the aspect ratio helps. Mm -hmm. The way he fills up the screen with so much detail. The camera, the he uses Dutch angles and weird angles a lot, but in an effective way. I know that a lot of people complain about those. There's a sure. right way to do them. This is the way to do them in this movie. These low, these low angle shots of Robert Pattinson, like just having this death glare over at, 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 uh, at Willem Dafoe, just like the confrontations between them, which are constant throughout the movie are so intense. Oh, the,
1: the, yeah, the Dutch angle long take of Robert Pattinson jerking off in his head. <laughs> yeah, to, to All little, right, but now we're going to Yeah, story. to the little figurine of the uh, the mermaid.
0: Yeah.
2: Mermaids. And again, one of the funniest movies that I maybe saw last year. Too. Dude, hilarious. Man. <laughs> like not and and that and so Midsommar and that was just like it's it's funny because it I mean it it gets me. These movies get me. They give me what I want as far as a, like a filmmaking should have these certain things because kubrick has been around a while. Why hasn't anybody been tapping into that magic? Yeah, they make me laugh too, and it, yeah. it almost feels like—is the director smarter than me? And I think it is. The director's smarter than me. <laughs> I mean, really, I like—I felt
0: the same way, and I like—I actually think that this is that this movie's far superior to *The Witch*, his first effort. I think like, dude, so. He, far I think superior. Yeah, he's just gonna get better, man, and like. God, you just like it invokes all these like th- these feelings, especially for film nerds such as myself, man. Like, I was getting all giddy at certain parts, man. Well, it's weird because like Hereditary to Midsummer
1: is like it definitely feels like a step, like sure. a step towards something. But yeah, The Witch to the Lighthouse is like a leap. It's just it's a huge, and they're both great films, but like yeah. artistically speaking, and even on a technical level, especially on a technical level, the the gap between The Witch and The Lighthouse is. It's bigger than the Grand fucking Canyon. Like it's it's unreal.
2: Right, but it's also it's it's like it's just an embarrassment. These two directors are an embarrassment of riches, you know, for people <laughs> like us who are waiting for movies like this to come out. I I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they'll have their slumps, or maybe one of them will. Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe these guys will be like the Scorsese's of our generation, the guys just who like start cranking just them out, keep cranking out pretty good movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll have a couple movies that are like The Witch, that are like you know not amazing, but they're still. Like a cut above literally everything else. Yeah, you it's, can worth, see. it's worth it's worth you saying time? that Irishman
1: is watchable.
2: Oh man, we haven't had this, and we're not gonna have this. We're, conversation. We're not gonna have this conversation <laughs> <laughs> right now. I'm not going there.
0: But um, I just like I said, this if this guy keeps making period pieces, I'm into it, man. I he know. fucking I he nails it. period pieces. Like, <laughs> dude, every aspect, man. The dialogue, <laughs> just the look, the feel. I'm learning like, new words. When yeah, I watch dude, I know it's, brand it's so new cool. Words I never knew. <laughs> yeah, I watched it the first time. See, I didn't get to see it in the theater. I'm so pissed I didn't. But um, I watched it a second time with the subtitles. I know that's cheating, but at least I watched the first time without subtitles. I, I don't want like, to watch it with a commentary. Yeah, yeah, man. dude. I I know. It. I want to, I want to go there, but yeah, it's fucking amazing shit. All right, you guys ready? Spoiler <laughs> town. Okay, so yeah. uh, to everybody, we're gonna,
1: we're gonna jump into some spoilers. We're gonna start doing a little bit more of like the uh, the speculative film analysis. If you haven't seen these movies we we highly recommend we couldn't recommend any of these movies more watch them in any order it really doesn't matter you'll get something out of each and every one of them in all different kinds of ways these guys deserve your money so don't pirate them fucking rent it or buy it just outright buy any yeah, of these buy movies it, man. they're they're good Did you guys have any final thoughts you wanted to to throw in before before we jump into the to the spoiler world i think i think i'm ready man i'm ready yeah like
2: Something um, Strange About the Johnsons, remember to watch that one too. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, Something Strange About the Johnsons, uh, Watch that one, first watch. Watch that one first if you can before you watch other Ari Aster movies, it's great. It, it, it's, it's on great YouTube, setup. you can
1: find it on YouTube uh, for yeah. free. If um, that's where you want to. that'll give you a little sampler. There's no excuse to not watch that movie, it's, it's excellently crafted, especially for a student film. Hey, what's up buddy? <laughs> this is Jay.
2: Hope you're liking this conversation we're having so far, why don't you go ahead and give it a five star rating and subscribe. Tell all your friends, bitch. Enjoy the show.
1: <laughs> okay, so here we are. we we made it, you guys. Spoiler town. Um, Spoiler country. So the the first thing I really wanted to point out is that um, a few people have said to me that uh, Midsummer and Hereditary are supposed to be companion pieces, and they kind of are. But what's what's weird that. I found because I watched all these movies more most recently even the ones that I had seen before which was just the witch I rewatched it. And in a weird way Hereditary and The Witch and we I want to point out this something that Nick pointed out to me but these these two guys they were friends. They they're they're like really close friends, maybe best friends.
0: Yep, they were and, in film school together. Yeah. And, friends. and
1: so like you can obviously see a lot of those those parallels between their movies but like Hereditary and The Witch are almost like companion pieces to me. Because they draw a lot of the, the same similarities on the um, the witchy cultist cultish stuff, mm-hmm. um, and and they're both they're both coming of age stories, in, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair to say. They're
2: almost about like coming of age, but also loss of maybe a change of identity through through some kind of spiritual aspect. They're both domestic horror.
0: Yeah, the family, the family right.
1: aspect, but but more so the fact that they're it's it's like they're um symbolic puberty essentially it, it's something that is is taking place it's happening to them but out of their control completely whereas in the witch you have the main the main character the the daughter thomason thomason yeah who's becoming a witch um and and it's it's almost like a metaphor for like a woman like getting her period for the first time almost and like discovering all these little bits about uh womanhood which is, is a recurring theme in a lot of witch lore like that, like the the woman will start coming into her witch powers um, at the start of like her puberty, essentially. Like her womanhood is when she starts, you know, doing that. And in the same in the same vein, Hereditary is almost like a coming of age story for a young man who has to become something that he doesn't want to, but in order yeah. to please yeah. Ooh, the people chill. that yeah, he's closest dude, I to. I, I expel you whenever she's like.
2: Taking taking the okay so so the son in, in hereditary is a stoner right and he uh and and he's trying to get with a girl and that's like his whole thing like he's really worried and focused about like his mom and his parents his family are going through all this dif- different stuff big stuff and he's just focused on being a normal teenager which he obviously can't be he is obviously the main character of the movie too. of course I,
0: he wants to be away from the family like and also with Thomason uh, same thing you know when you hit puberty you want to rebel and like her family is. Th- the religious zealots dude and so she goes the other direction she has her period in the movie if you that's remember. right that's a big yeah. scene, and then like she tries to go the other direction and you know that's why she goes for like the more pagan you know which it's almost
2: empowering for her as sure. well and whereas for the sun it's like well it's talking about like femininity and masculinity the conversations that are being had about those things in their current culture is is talking about toxic masculinity or men being required to fit a certain role, and Hereditary sure. does a good job talking about that. They yeah. take away his ability to be a normal person halfway through the movie, which we'll t- finally talk in spoilers. Uh, halfway through the movie, the uh, he he takes his sister to a party. She has a nut allergy. She eats something with nuts in it. She starts to freak out. Like starts to like have an anaphylactic shock. He takes her. He's driving her down the street, and she sticks her head out the window to get a breath. Hits a pole, knocks her head clean off
0: just fucking dude. like that's, that's oh. when the, the movie changes like you're like dude your it, heart breaks your oh heart man. stops
2: you don't know what's going to happen next and he goes home and i just want to talk about this scene and this is the scene that really of all these movies is my favorite one is the sun goes home he lays down in bed you see the sun rising it's kind of like time just kind of just like a time moves. lapse it's like a time yeah. lapse but he's in this moment laying in bed looking at the camera just, like, not knowing, like, expressionless, but there's so much in that Completely expression. Completely
0: in shock, dude, of what just happened.
2: And you hear the parents wake up downstairs. You hear the dad's mom say, I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to take the car. And you just know, you're like, oh, no, she's going to see it. She goes out. She starts to scream. And the son just sits there expressionless. And the rest of the movie then takes a new form. And the whole idea of Hereditary is is that the, this demon existed within the daughter, but it wanted to be within the sun
0: because the the, the, the host, the the girl's body was kind of feeble and you know, female, It wanted to and be also, male. Yeah, because it actually says right. that
2: in the book.
1: She was she was pretty much marked for death from the beginning.
2: Yeah, because the mother and the mother always talks about that. That her mother always tried to take the son away from her while he was breastfeeding her, and you actually see that in one of the miniatures is the mother, yeah. the the grandmother holding her breast out while the mother is breastfeeding the kid in the. And oh really? I had to yeah, noticed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it
0: was like a little little moment. And, yeah. and
2: um uh, yeah, and so so by the end of the movie he is required to take on this this role, this masculine demon god. Like and whereas the end of the witch, which is to go what so you're just saying the coming of age, his coming of age is to become something that is not something that he wants to be. And her coming of age is to become to be finally free from the
0: shackles that she had, yeah, the, the religious right. shackles of her family. Dude. Oh,
1: absolutely, and and
0: you can even see
1: in just like really subtle parts in that movie where she's almost subconsciously embracing it without knowing, like when she's like teasing the the twins, mm-hmm. you know, and where she's she's, she's saying like, yeah, like I'm the witch of the wood, and then she like takes it too far, and then she goes even further from there, and you're and it's almost like weirdly out of character, but then you then it all starts to come together, and you realize that she's she's subconsciously. It, it, she resents her family, and and they resent her too, and it, it all really starts when Samuel, the baby, is taken, yeah. and then that, that's the moment where everything starts to fall apart for her, and like so it, she starts to get blamed, which right. is
2: what happens with women a lot too, and that's that's one of the, the things I think yeah, that we're trying to say there's well, yeah it,
1: like but the, also the same thing happens in Hereditary, something that is not entirely their fault, but yes, is is yes. sort of. In directly related to their carelessness, so however you want to put it, is essentially put forth on them and alienates them from a family in a way that that pushes them towards their, you know, their ultimate destiny.
2: Yeah, mom, why did you want him to go? Why did you want her to go to the party? She didn't even want to she didn't go to even the want to go. <laughs> yeah, that whole sequence is amazing. But
0: you know there's actually like one tiny moment before like right after the party and before she gets her head smashed in and hereditary. They drive by the pole. It's there, there's the symbol on the pole. So you like, there's a fucking foreshadowing that that was that was going to be your demise right there. You had no idea, but then you think about that later, man. That like everything was set in motion before everything happened. Like it, like they had no choice. Like even, this the was mo- even the
2: mother had no choice. Yeah, absolutely. She was being groomed by her mother to allow this to happen. In the first place exactly she was being coerced by this cult and that's one of the creepier aspects of the movie especially when you watch it again have you seen it twice yet no all the cult members that are smiling at at the at at the little girl who has payment in her like at the at the funeral at the beginning of the movie number one the mother's the the she she got the the, she has a candy bar that she pulls out and the mother's like does it have nuts in it (laughs) and then she walks over to eat the candy bar and you see this like guy in the corner just smiling at her it's like
0: that's my <laughs> god right there that's my boy right there. Yeah, see cuz like even later on you you see that book that she finds that it was her mother's that's saying that like payment has to inhabit a, a, a male host not a female host he desires a male host yeah that's what he wants and right. so that's why the little girl's body was kind of falling apart you know she had a nut allergy she was deformed. she was marked for death from, yeah from she the, the very done. beginning yeah I mean, she no was, matter she, how it happened she yeah, was gonna die yeah she was gonna die that little symbol like everything kind of like tied into that
2: we want to talk about the head trauma since that's how we started out the whole thing or uh
0: <laughs> or Ari Aster loves head because, trauma <laughs> yeah this is this is
1: Nick's point actually is that Ari Aster loves head right.
0: trauma yeah that's his recurring motif because each one of these directors has that and like like, dude, all through like most of the deaths in Midsummer are all like the face the ripping fi- off. Yeah, like the fucking the mallet coming down on the guy's head. Like the, those, the, the old couple, like when they reach their their pinnacle and they have to jump off the the cliff. Yeah, he's not dead, and they come by with fucking Thor's hammer, yeah. dude, and just. Yeah. And well, like, and they they do it to the to the one guy that sneaks into
1: the yeah into yeah the room yeah dad. just like, yeah he, yeah, he you're gets right. it to he gets it to the to the dome piece. I just wanted to go on record saying that the. Uh, Hereditary. Nick and I have this conversations all the time where we we try and decide for like what is a perfect movie. Yeah. And and honestly, like Hereditary is almost a perfect movie, but I it's do have close. that one gripe which you guys have both heard me say, which is that it it could have it could have ended just like thirty five seconds earlier. Yeah, the, when one, she goes into the description. Yeah, when of he goes up into the treehouse and then and then she starts explaining everything that's going on and and she tells the whole story. It just didn't feel necessary, and I understand that they, that why they had to put it in there.
2: I hate to be this guy, but maybe watch it a second time because I that ending for me. I mean, maybe maybe it could have been done differently and still better. But that ending to me, especially with going into that going him going into that room, seeing the the headless body, the daughter's head on the just, oh yeah, it's all perfect. that shit's great. Like and and then the zoom out of the of the dollhouse again, the dollhouse yeah. view.
0: No, see, the, the, like John and I agreed that like everything about that ending was great except for her talking, her dialogue. She just didn't it, need to spell it, 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 almost it out. Like they, right I, yeah, I, I had we this, agreed on that too. Yeah. Yeah, like I had this feeling smarter that they... than that. Yeah, dude, of course. <laughs> like, I had this feeling that they ADR'd that, that voiceover because, like, I, maybe the studio stepped in a little bit here and was like, hey, you got to explain it because people won't quite get it. You know, they... they like, because they could have really ended it before she even said a word and you knew exactly what happened. If you understood what was happening in this movie... And like, just cut that, just cut that voiceover out. Yeah, I mean, completely. the ending shot That's is fine. Like the Blade fine. Runner thing, yeah, where yeah. it's
2: like, I don't need decker We don't need
0: that voiceover.
2: Voiceover to tell me what's going on. Yeah, dude, right, <laughs> right. The, oh, I just want to say, his head trauma. The little girl cuts a, cuts a bird's head off at the beginning of. Friday. That's right. Yeah, she yeah. does do that. That's right.
0: Yeah, you you kind of think that Hereditary is going to be a this like almost Omen esque movie, like up oh, creepy kid movie. Like, dude, it totally fucked with me because when we were watching it, I
1: was like, I was telling Nick, I was like, I'm going to see how many. How many times I can rip on this girl's face before like this movie is over, and then like the movie, the following it. the following scene, yeah, it take she takes her own head off, like it was <laughs> it's fucking amazing. Like I dude, I was like locked and ready to go, man.
2: What like, was his face like whenever that scene came around? Do you remember how, what his reaction was whenever see, the head gets knocked off? Well,
0: okay, so I was watching the screen. I had like I was I was sucked in again because it's been a while since I yeah. seen it but uh john said oh fuck as soon as it happened i was like i already knew like what he was feeling at that moment i didn't even have to look sister, just him saying oh fuck i was like yep dude my
2: sister sat there with her mouth her hands <laughs> over her mouth
1: <laughs>
2: just- yeah i mean i basically approached
1: it like okay we're here now yeah <laughs> that's that's fucking new movie yeah you can't you can't go back from that i mean you take <laughs> the, the, the slate head off is wiped
0: clean you're fucking done I mean, even if like, like I said, that, that's the a beauty part of, of that fucking movie. And even that sequence, like the little girl's creepy. Like, yeah, you make jokes about how she looks like. I thought it, like, yeah, just about going how she off. looks
1: like when you step on a piece of gum and then you look and it's stuck <laughs> to the bottom of your shoe.
0: Or uh, my favorite was, uh, he lo- uh, <laughs> she looks like a mailman from Wisconsin that in the 1950s yeah, or something. <laughs> was like, that, that was great. Look, yeah, that was, that
1: was, she looks like a, a 1950s Wisconsin mail, milkman. <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, another one is that uh, she she looks like she looks like a female child, Ricky Gervais. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: forgot about that. Oh shit!
2: So you were talking about the connections between these movies, right? So like, what about like the way that that Hereditary is about guilt, like about guilt and not understanding and how. It, and like how how not being able to deal with the guilt that's been put on you, not knowing how to process it, and how the lighthouse is kind of about that as well.
1: Yeah, so I definitely think that there's some weird there's some there's some cross um, connections here, in, in almost that like like they had the same philosophy teacher. You're, you're following you're following like a like a specific school. character arc that is now growing. So now you've taken this this original character arc, uh, or not character arc, but um, caricature of, of what's going on with with the Peter in uh, Hereditary, and you are now evolving that into what happens in the lighthouse, which is, I mean, it's, it's a lot of things, but one of the, one of the most heavily um, apparent themes is obviously the uh, reconciliation of personal guilt, and also dealing with a problem that you have that might not necessarily be something that you put on yourself, but something that was forced onto you through necessity, which in, in the most vague description, those two things can be related in that way. Why
0: just you spill your being? Right, right. <laughs> that's well, what happened. That's man. what's
2: interesting about guilt, too. And this is like taking it out to a more philosophical level. Is like guilt is something that you just, like, as you get older, you carry with you. There are certain things that you just can't forget. And you can either exactly. learn from those things or they can just eat you up. But you're always going to remember that guilt. And, yeah. that, and that will always have a huge change and effect on your life in hereditary something like that it's like it's like imagining like if i were to hit somebody with my car and how Mm -hmm. i just have to live my life the rest of my life knowing that i hit somebody with my car yeah you know like yeah matthew
1: broderick
0: (laughs) we're looking at you yeah if you're (laughs) listening to this, we're looking at you a lot (laughs) soon oh man way too much
2: (laughs) um but yeah but i think that's that's one of the reasons why the movie gets me is because it makes me think thoughts like that like
0: for sure and then i relate
2: um, to that i feel that
0: yeah and like with the lighthouse like winslow like, he's trying to deal with the fact that he murdered his boss, like, from his old job. That's why he ran. That's why he's, like, at the lighthouse. And you see images of, like, that's why they, they keep saying that over and over again, the whole, you know, why'd you spill your beans thing. Mm-hmm. Like, he let that out into the universe for Willem Dafoe, which is actually kind of like a god character. He's like god, like, basically.
2: Or a manifestation uh, of, of, of Robert Pattinson's guilt. Guilt, bad yeah, side. for sure. Like, once you admit that you did something wrong. Yeah, now you, now it's gonna ring through your head over and, and over he's again. The deal acid with it. trip of that, that that's moment right. is insane. Yeah. And then he
0: like he loses his mind. Like he doesn't, he doesn't like grow from it. He doesn't go the other direction. Like he, he gets completely enveloped in his, his, guilt and like what he's done. He tries
2: to find something beautiful to replace it with the exactly. light. You know, I mean, can you guys, one, of you guys explain to me the lighthouse a little bit? Because that's the one i I'm, I'm remembering the least right now.
0: Okay, so like, what,
2: like your like opinions on it, like what what it was about for you guys, like
0: I see,
1: I'm st- I'm still not really sure. Uh, it, it's about a lot of things. I mean, you've got the surface level stuff. Uh, obviously, it's about addiction and and alcoholism. Yeah, alcoholism. Um, and then you have some of the more symbolic stuff, Nick, that you were talking about, like,
0: like... yeah, the Greek mythology, like the fact that. Um... The like the ending shot of the movie is is reminiscent to what happened to um, Prometheus. Prometheus, and uh, he, like he stole the fire. His like punishment for that was to be pecked by birds, like his intestines pecked by birds forever. And that's the final shot of the movie. Like Winslow's, they're like getting pecked by seagulls, man. After he gets to the lighthouse, because um, that's why uh, Thomas Willem Dafoe's character says that like you you'll pay if you get to the light. Because that's what my other second wanted. You know, his his other uh, wiki that was helping him before, that's why he's dead. Because oh, he wanted yeah. something, he wanted to steal the fire, and he couldn't have it. Because the foe's God. And so, yeah, like, there's all these, like, weird little images and moments that are, like, pulled directly from Greek mythology, dude. Well,
2: they even being taken down the river Styx. Yeah. Over to, that's over right. to basically, Hades. Like, yeah. Basically to the end of his life. Yeah. This is the only place he can be
1: anymore. He can only be isolated. He can only be drunk. Well, he see, can that's only be this anymore. It's really interesting because I I had also had the thought that the 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 movie ends when Robert Pattinson's character Winslow um, is dropped from the scaffolding. That that mm. to me is like the, where the movie departs from reality. And now, like that was another thought that I had is like he he has all this 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 guilt and all that stuff really happened but you don't really see the movie start to unfold in a a personal level until after that scene that's when that's when he and willem Dafoe's character start becoming friends they start talking and then that's when like the the insanity really starts to ensue so for me it was almost like he was really at the lighthouse and that was really happening and willem Dafoe's character was just a, a, you know a, a crotchety old man Who just needed a young bull To do all the shit that he couldn't do Because he's handicapped And then you see um uh, He he dies essentially And he's, what he's experiencing is the next stage Of the afterlife which is like the personal Reconciliation and now Willem Dafoe's character has been escalated To this point of being a god Because of the position Of authority that he represented To Robert Pattinson's character before he quote unquote passed away after falling from painting the lighthouse
0: and also Mm, i i I kind of interesting i I almost had this feeling that um there's a moment actually when they're both like really fucking drunk like or like hung over like right in that 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 gap in between being completely smashed that night and waking up the next morning he says that his name is thomas as well so i had this feeling that they're the same person there was this this moment where like robert pattinson is there by himself and he's just losing his mind. He's having to deal with all the like all the things that he did wrong in his life, and Willem the, the, Defoe it's his reckoning. Yeah, dude, yeah. that's his reckoning for all the bad things that he's ever done. Well, and like, he becomes was... an
2: object of sexual, even a sexual interest. Yeah, to a it's crazy, point man. As well, yeah. there's the scene where he becomes the mermaid, and he's fucking him and then he's all green goblin as shit dude and we get to see mermaid pussy hey, t- audience oh, ah, damn, like yeah
0: yeah if you ever wanted to know what mermaid pussy looks like watch the lighthouse they <laughs> nailed it dude yeah That's, they totally that, nailed that must it be what it looks like <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, and also that that idea that you're saying that there's there there could be an aspect where reality ends and and like limbo uh, limbo begins but there also is this aspect of since he's telling folklore and telling folk tales He's also making, I think in a weird way, making a statement about how folklores and folktales like enter your brain and how you try to, you, you almost try, your your mind in its craziest, most desperate place will try to, to take ideas, formulas, ideas like folklore and stuff and apply it to your life to give it some kind of meaning or purpose. Absolutely. absolutely. And I think there's definitely an aspect of that in that movie where it's like, it's, it's it is a metaphor but also are these stories and these folklores are just they're just very human in, sure, in sure. their most basic essence people who wrote these stories experience these things absolutely um,
1: well if you wanted to go back to that I mean more specifically that's that's what makes these movies uh, especially Robert Eggers those who make those movies horror because those old folklore those old fairy tales those are stories that you know, Villagers and sailors, respectively, told each other in order to explain the mysteries of shit that they didn't understand when they were that's when right. they were stuck up at night. So it's it's an appeal to a very primitive sense of un, un, um, unease and unsurety. I don't think that's a word, but you get what I'm saying. Um, of of your purpose or the existence of mystery. And so, like in a way, the lighthouse is just another capitalization of that versus the witch. The cause, you know, in the witch, you have old old English being afraid of what's out in the in the woods because you don't we haven't fucking turned that into a Walmart yet. Yeah. And with the lighthouse, it's it's the same thing. It's like the sailors that are afraid of the sirens' call, um, you know, dragging them away from sea or the, the sea hypnotizing them. And and basically just fabricating these stories because you've been isolated for so long. And right. That's why alcohol comes explain. into play. And then the drink, alcohol drink
0: they, even says it in the movie, drink is the only thing that that subsides any of the like these terrible things that are happening inside your mind.
2: Right. And and that that, that, that But like also the idea of like the the folklore becoming real in a, sure. in a situation sure. that feels pretty raw at the beginning. The yeah. Beginning of the lighthouse, even though it's filmed in a specific way, it's still pretty believable. These two guys sitting out there, you know, him dealing with this 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 gruff ass, like just unpleasant guy farting all the time (laughs) Um, and just like and then afterwards, you're right, it does become that. But also if he warns him that it's bad luck to uh, kill a seabird, seabird. And then at the end. That was true. Yeah. It was really bad luck, and now it's going to eat you. <laughs> and, <laughs> but see,
1: that's, that's, what, that's what I'm and saying. And the same
2: thing with the witch, though, too, is like these witches aren't – like in our mind, we're like, oh, the, it's telling a folklore story. Because we have this idea about witches that witches are – like they, that used to be what they would call people who they figured to be deviant or yeah, well, because, how like- explained things. That, that were happening. Yeah,
0: like unexplained things, like things that they couldn't t- fully understand. They would just like instantly demonize it. And turns
2: out, though, in The Witch, it was true. They <laughs> yeah, were dude. killing babies, and they were rubbing them on their bodies, and she did become a witch. So
1: yeah. basically, so became real. it's a let's see what's behind door number two. Yeah. Um, all this shit really yeah. happened.
0: Yeah. Well, see, you know what's really cool mm-hmm. about both of these movies? But it still doesn't movies. justify
1: what her parents were doing to her. And it doesn't justify Winslow's... Behavior, <laughs> yeah. When he
0: totally loses it, but like, it's just so crazy about both of those films, The Witch and The Lighthouse, that like, the premise for both of those movies so simple. It's like the simplest premise, but there's so much that really is being said in that movie, like through the imagery, through the like the, the way that like f- like scenes play out, the acting, the dialogue, like just everything specific. is specific, so specific and complex, even for just a really simple story. There's I mean, The Witch, less so, but more The Lighthouse. It's a bottle film, dude. Like, they're, yeah. they're in one place, the entire fucking movie. Yeah, There's two guys, and that's it. Yeah, But you get so much out of it. There's so many, like, different ways you can take it. And the fact that we, we, we all have, like, respectively, slightly different variations on, like, what we think those, like, the movie means... They're all interesting and they're all fucking valid because there's so many things happening.
2: This is We would always talk about The Shining, like this yeah, is like, dude, and exactly. It's not, there's not many movies that have come out between these movies and The Shining that have like <laughs> been that open to discussion
1: as far as this genre is concerned.
0: For sure, especially wide release what too. I think it's really interesting
1: too because I, I do want to jump back to um, the the cross correlation between these movies and how they almost feel like love letters to each other. Like like these <laughs> yeah. two these two guys are just like. They're getting
0: penisy with each other. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I
1: mean, and like I was saying, like a lot of people, like a few people have said to me, like hereditary Midsummer are companion pieces, and I don't see it. But you know what's weird is that Midsummer and the witch are strangely companion pieces.
0: Yeah, I see that. I see the parallels there.
1: Like I said, in a way, you can follow the same character growth from hereditary into the lighthouse in a lot of like the principle. You have the same thing that happens with the witch to Midsummer, where like we said, the witch could essentially be about it's a coming of age for a, for a young woman right and she discovers who she is and what she wants to be and midsummer is in a weird way like a continuation of that because it's now it's a separation of family and intimacy into rediscovering your own
0: independence interesting yeah cuz she was kind of a slave to her you know, she was a slave to her sister. Sister, anxiety as well. Like the fact you see her popping out of Anne in the beginning of the movie. And, and even like though
1: she's she's the one that's going through the, the most hardcore shit, I mean, like, can you imagine if that happened to you? She's still, in a weird way, jumping through hoops to please her boyfriend. To try and make him happy so that he doesn't leave her. Like, that's even one of the first scenes where, like, as soon as she gets off the phone with him, she calls her friend and she's, like, insecure about it. Yeah. She doesn't want him to leave her even before all that stuff happens. Yeah. And so she's, and, they, and there's
2: also that aspect of it where they're, and and I think I think that Ari Aster even said they're just really bad for each other.
0: Oh yeah, they're, they're like-
2: really this relationship. Like he's like, what? What the idea is that he took a relationship that was already bad, and he said, but what if I drop this terrible thing into the middle of it before they had actually broken up, which they should have done. And now he feels obligated.
0: Yeah, he was guilty once her, the murder-suicide happened. Yeah, it sounds were like we're gonna a break up or... And they should have
2: broken up, but now it's too late.
0: He's he's guilty. Like oh, she basically shit. got she, pregnant. Yeah, yeah, dude. Essentially, but then lost her. Yeah, she, she instead like she lost her entire family. And he was like, "Fuck, I'm stuck." But you that's know? what's so beautiful about Midsummer is that it's
1: it's like weirdly satisfying to see her like come out on top. Oh yeah, dude. You know, yeah. it's it, the. I mean, like. But that's the thing like that's what makes me think that those but two it almost movies feels are false
2: in both cases though doesn't it almost there's a there's a creepy aspect to it where it's almost where they're they're feel... being
1: they're being manipulated but it's it's basically the same ending in the witch and midsummer yeah where it's like they're they're being empowered but they're also being used yeah. But in the end, like is it is I guess happier, it's a question though? is yeah, is it does it matter? Does it matter if you're being manipulated? It's pretty or nihilistic,
2: but it might be Well if could, if the if the, if the
1: outcome is that you feel better about yourself and you feel
0: happier, then what's the problem? That's true. I mean, although it still does feel like a triumph, like I, I get what you're saying. You're it's actually that that's spot on that like, you know, she's still being manipulated, but really like that's her moment of triumph. Like the whole movie she's down. That's the only time she's ever felt important. Dude. She smiled, dude. I'm gonna have to just go off. It's not even a tangent. That final shot of Midsummer, that shit is gonna be looked at in film schools in 20 years. I guarantee you, dude. The Where her face
1: bo- goes from like a like a like a like a terrified
0: frown to a smile to a but smile. Like, while the building's on fire, fire and the boyfriend's in the like bear suit, like on fire and he can't move, like he's an injured <laughs> dude. And that final shot of it burning and she just smiles, dude. I'm like, that's like Rosebud territory dude yeah. that's like some fucking well like, you know you know it's orson well shit dude i was like beautiful dude you you, what can an take, ending. you
1: can take that that um that principle right of of the character whatever her arc essentially of realizing that she's actually happy and there's a really really subtle shot in that in that movie and it happens for just a second you might have even missed it but there's the two dudes that volunteer themselves to go into the into the burning uh, church or whatever, yeah. the, and and the lady comes in and she gives them the tree stuff to make them not feel pain. Mm-hmm. There's the moment where it's burning down and they're looking at each other and they're like they have that 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 face of um, uh, what's what's the word? We're like,
0: doing the right thing. Like we're right, we're, yeah. right, right. They're at
1: peace. Yeah, uh, solace and and so. Then the fire starts touching that guy, and he's <laughs> keeping that face, and it's like you—you you almost think that he's going to do it, and then he starts crying out in like, just blood, str- like yeah, curling pain. pain just extreme and so that—it's in a weird way. I think that that realization—that that guy watching his friend go from just like totally blank face, like tranquility, to complete shrieking pain—it is a metaphor for the audience realizing that what they're watching is actually super fucked up. <laughs> yeah, actually fucking yeah. You, you got tricked into thinking that like, hey, she made it, like good for her. Yeah. But then the reality sets in and you're like, oh, fuck, this is real. And that's bad. That's This is terrible. Even
2: though you it's get this. It's a trick of the light. It's yeah. the light setting. Makes you think the whole time.
0: It's whimsical. It's you're whi- in Sweden. And then you just
2: like, but wait a second, and the dude. whole movie flashes through your brain, and you're like, god damn.
0: You know what? Like, <laughs> holy shit. Dude, speaking on that that whole thing that like you, you're tricked by the light, the entire movie, every horrific outcome in that entire movie is spelled out on those on the walls. In murals. Right. Oh, and yeah. Dude, it's like, – The, the first, opening
2: mural tells the whole plot yeah, of the yeah. Movie. yeah, dude, and you it don't does. realize
0: <laughs> it until after you watch the but movie. your brain like, did fuck yeah your brain totally did yeah and but man just that that shot of the boyfriend in the bear suit dude That sh- and he can't move dude and he's just on fire you see his face he's just like monotone you're like dude, ari aster has is a amazing. really
1: weird like comedic touch <laughs> like we, we yes. were, when we were watching it like we like the scene where he's like on drugs and he's like fucking that girl and they're all just like you know they're like moaning yeah like we're laughing and it's like you're not supposed to but it's fucking it's like It's not that you're laughing because you're uncomfortable. You're laughing because it's like, it's goofy and weird. Like you don't know how to react to it.
2: Well, yeah, it's just, it's discomfort. It's discomfort (laughs) to the point of like, and, and people, again, going to interviews, people have asked him and he's like, yeah, I, I I know it's funny. Like, I know that's that I was laughing. I don't know if we were laughing for the same reasons, but I know (laughs) it's awkward and funny. I think a lot of people will come out of that movie thinking, I laughed a lot because I was in the, I saw that movie in the theater, yeah, and I was surrounded by people, and they were all laughing too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude, <laughs> it was I was like the most fun I've had in the theater. Like yeah, in the dude, Mar, cause dude, Everybody was just at a certain point in the movie, people just started cracking up.
0: <laughs> I know it's so crazy, and then like I was same thing happened to me when I saw him in the theater, and people were walking out saying like how they didn't like it. I'm like. Did we watch the same? You were laughing. No, in there. that's like, not a surprise fuck, to me at all. Man. Like when when that movie ended, I, I
1: immediately understood the people that said that they didn't like it. In fact, I was amazed that anybody liked that movie. <laughs> anybody except right. for me and my friends. You know, like it's it, it's one of those movies that's like all of these movies. I guess with the Hereditary and the Witch being the exception. So I guess half of these movies, the later the latter half of them, are very impenetrable in a lot of ways. You, I can see people liking Hereditary because it is – it does have those traditional horror elements like you yeah. said, Nick, and it's, it makes it more accessible. And the same with The Witch. Like it is a little bit different, but like it's got those that same vibe of feeling like an accessible horror movie even though it's different. But The Lighthouse and Midsummer are – they're so thick and they're so hard to penetrate that unless you're ready to do that, unless you're going into it expecting to watch a David Lynch film – or a Paul Thomas Anderson film or a Stanley Kubrick film you're not really going to you're not going to get it and you're not going to enjoy it for sure yeah, Well, I'm, but that, people are seeing them
0: yeah it's weird cuz uh, it's like they
2: don't like them but they well, go people see are him. watching them. But their IMDB score isn't going to be. Not their maybe their Rotten Tomatoes user scores going to be a little lower. Yeah, the user score is going to be low. Yeah. Like people went out
0: and seen it, and I'm glad. I'm glad people went and seen Midsummer because I hope like
2: that they keep the, tricking people into watching their movies. Dude, it's, the, it's <laughs> the so the marketing, I can get more man. of them, and I hope they're bigger and better than the last one. You dude, know? marketing, man. They're like
0: <laughs> people went into Midsummer thinking they were going to see a straight up horror film, and that's not what you get at all, man. It's like a it's a character study about like loss and dealing with grief. That is, well, it is
1: a horror film for for anybody who has experienced a major loss. Sure, and actually thought deeply about it. Really exactly. deeply about it. Exactly. But people All don't want to.
0: People don't want to go see a, a most people. Anyways, I'm not. I'm not speaking for everybody. I but. think
2: that's what it is. Is people just? I think that those movies, even people who don't like it, I think watch it again. If you're listening to this and you're and you've seen these movies and you don't like them, and you're listening to us trying to understand why we like them. See them again,
0: <laughs> yeah. Give them another shot. Time. I mean, because people like when they go see a horror movie, they don't want something that's real, dude. Like as whimsical as fucking Midsummer is, dude. There's some real dark shit that like people can actually fucking like feel for, like feel it. Oh, absolutely. They, everybody's scene... been in a terrible relationship. Every, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. Well, it's... not even that. I
1: mean, just like the loss of family. The, yeah, just the dude. The scene of Florence Pugh just like. Just I, there's not even a word to describe the amount of like suffering she was going through when she finds out her whole family is yeah dead. And that
2: her that her sister uh, tied a what she put a she put a tube onto the car and yeah. then. What, she put it through the vents in the house, and she put, put the, one in she, the she
1: put one in the parents' room, and, and then one, one directly her onto up. her
2: mouth. Which that image, dude,
1: just burned burning my brain. That's fucking oh, yeah. haunted shit, duck man. To her mouth, and there's she vomit looks,
0: on her shirt and shit, dude. Like, and then oh, it goes dude. up
1: to the fucking to the, like, the screen too, and then you finally see the message that she, she sent to her sister. It's like everything is going dark. Mom and dad are coming too. Oh, Ooh.
0: yeah, I oh, know, man. <laughs> oh, so, uh, look, dude. <laughs> so Ari so
2: asked her, "As you can't." How does he keep coming up with these, just the worst possible scenario? Like, worst possible scenario that doesn't even, like, you just have no idea how would someone would even come to that conclusion.
0: Yeah, dude, like, that's <laughs> al- it's almost kind of hairbrained in and of itself. Like, that whole setup, you know, of how she killed herself and her, her parents. You're like, Jesus Christ. I don't know if anyone else felt this after watching the movie in oh, its entirety. Say. Yeah, so th- I have this theory that it actually wasn't a murder-suicide Perpetrated by the sister, so you know how pale the friend. They like she. So Florence Pugh's character was already decided to be the Queen of Midsummer, and so he had to like find a way to make that happen. So he fucking murders her because they they mention that. Yeah,
1: it's it's like they basically imply or, or flat out say that that they have to bring in a new new blood.
0: Yeah, from outside, and they. And he was already in America, and he was friends with her. And so his he parents knew. died. Yeah, blowing my
2: mind right now, dude. Isn't that <laughs> fucking? I
0: thought about it. I was like, dude, that's what happened. That that's makes crazy. so much sense.
2: Yeah, because he was he was manipulating the situation. He was the one who convinced them to bring her in the first place. Yeah. And he was, he was psyched. He was yeah. psyched from the second that. that oh man, had, it's so grody, dude. That's isn't that <laughs> fucked up, dude? That like it gives it well, to. And this he's
1: whole like other in love level. with her, obviously. Like yeah, he, wants, he 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 wants to be the one that mates with her, and like.
0: And it makes a lot of sense. For sure, all the like most of the people that are in the Midsummer Festival, they're all outside like they're they're products of outside people away from the place. So that's what happens. Like he wanted her there, so he made it happen at any means necessary killing her entire family. So it's yeah, that crazy. in
2: a, in that case it is it, it that that's where it becomes a companion piece. Yeah. That's cuz that's very similar to what was happening in Hereditary with uh with the cult that was planning everything all along. Nothing none of it was their choice. Yeah. I guess
1: that's that's definitely a stretch. Of course,
2: uh, I don't think... So. I mean, I don't think that's a stretch either. Now that I'm thinking about it, that was definitely... There were signs See. of that all throughout the movie and that dialogue that he says to her actually does kind of give that away. He's very. He's very much... Around her, very much like those people who are the watching, who are watching the daughter in *Hereditary*, yeah. he was very much like watching her from across the room in every single scene earlier in the movie. I don't think that that's—I don't think that that's necessarily the only the only understanding you could have of the movie. Sure, but I do think that Ari Aster knew that you might think that. Well, yeah. okay, so to <laughs> be fair, to, that. to be
1: fair, that the that death the, the family death happened so early on in the movie that you could argue that he's got his eye on her because of that. It could well, be that. Yes, too. you could. Yeah. But you
2: could argue the opposite as you, well. You could.
1: I'm just saying that like that that point works towards both arguments.
2: Right. Well, what was it? The song isn't it is not is the song the song Both Sides Now. That was uh he uses that at the end the end credits of um I think it's at the end of credits of Midsommar. The song Both Sides Now I look at life from both sides now. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. That's things, right,
2: uh, oh, man. Um, the Judy Collins song? That's right. All right, I think so. Um, and I think that, I mean, obviously, he's an intentional filmmaker. Sure. And I think that with both of these movies, he's, he's talking about that. He's talking about, well, you could look at this from any of these, these perspectives, but I'm not going to give you the answer. I'm You're not, not going to give you the yourself. answer at all. Like, and he, i don't think—I don't think that he wants. I think he wants all these theories to happen. I think Ari Aster's really, He's really good. Basically, at
1: that. David fucking Lynch. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the same shit that Lynch loved to do with his movies. Yep. Right.
2: He, I could say David that these Lynch, guys are Kubrick. both very Kubrick and Lynch, both yeah. of them in equal measures and different sides.
0: And you a little look dash at. of, of Wes Anderson. Anderson. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Okay, actually, just random. The shot of the first time you see Willem Dafoe and um, Robert Pattinson in the lighthouse. And it's just their faces. A, their Don't faces just standing the there, dude. Yeah. West, I was like, "God damn it, these guys!" But you yeah. know what though? Like at the end of the day, these movies get you thinking, get your fucking brain piece working, man. We're like, look at us go, man. We're just like, there's so many things that I so could many keep. different directions, like, man. There's
2: one thing I actually want to say. It's something that you said earlier. Something exactly the same words that I said. I think that's the first thing I said when I got out the theater. We were it was, Midsummer has the best portrayal of an ass or a mushroom trip. Yes. in any movie ever.
0: Those visuals are un- unmatched, man.
2: You're talking about the the suggestion where they're all like, "Hey, the trees are breathing," and then the trees, then are, then the trees breathing, are breathing, right? and you're like, and how oh. there's
0: always
1: that one guy, the one guy who's like, "You guys gotta try laying down." Are you guys laying down? Yeah. Everybody lay down. I can't focus unless you're laying down.
2: Oh, oh no, guys. A new
1: person. Yeah, uh. I, don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> I, I
0: think what makes it work about, like, making it convincing of being on mushrooms is that, like, it's not that stark and drastic. Because, you know, like, every movie when they show people tripping on Whoa. drugs, it's, like, way too crazy. That's like the most grounded, like because I mean,
2: it's just everything's the same. Yeah, but it's moving. There's all this. And there's weird that scene element. We,
1: we, you said you wanted to come back to it later. Where the mirror. Florence Pugh, she looks at herself in the mirror. Yeah, and
2: she sees her sister. Fucking, yeah. hey guys, I keep getting chilled. Yeah, thinking about this goddamn movie. <laughs> Those movies oh, are great. I mean, yeah, honestly, it's great
1: man. What it, What it really comes down to is that, and I'm definitely getting towards the the end, yeah, the, yeah. the wrapping this up. But what it really comes down to is these guys are amazing filmmakers and a- a24 films needs to get a little bit of praise on this episode because absolutely they they're the they're the reason i mean like and and they've been putting out they're real hit or miss and like i would just absolutely love to do an episode with the two of you guys on under the silver lake um <laughs> yeah. sometime oh, but but really just Big kudos to that company for, for bringing these guys in the forefront and giving them the mass distribution that they need. And what, what, really what it comes down to is what the, what the film industry needs yeah, to stay dude. alive yeah. because right. it's just barely afloat. I mean, it's, it's fucking rose on a fucking door and and the movie industry is jack just trying to fucking get on. a crash coming is what
2: people are saying. A crash coming like with Hollywood and stuff with directors like these and with smaller movies like these. Mm-hmm. It, we get sick of watching these big budget movies yeah, just man. be mediocre.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why we're here. That's, that's why we're talking about these movies, not just because we love them, but because they are getting a lot of recognition. They're getting a wide release all over the country and they absolutely deserve it. And and whether or not you, you like it or you don't like it, you have to admire at the very least that these are people that are making art. They're making art. They're not just making the next comic book movie or the next smurfs or fucking flintstones or whatever you know like whatever brand recognition shit is left to fucking cherry pick from these guys are, are out there and they're making they're making quality film
0: making you know people like myself that kind of kind of waned on newer films making me excited about film again making me want to go out there and actually like track down these, like, new budding up-and-coming directors. Because, like, I I pretty much gave up for, like, a really long time, man. Oh, and same. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's just like, all right, the Marvel movie, blah, 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 the Star Wars, blah, blah, you know what I mean? like dude, that- you know what's funny is I went from my three-month rule
1: of I don't watch a movie until it's been <laughs> out for three months to seeing these movies, finally, because they had been out long enough that I decided they were worth watching, to now... I, I want to go back to the movie theaters this year. Yeah. I, but I want to seek out these movies and go see them now and and not later.
2: Last year was one of the best years for for small film. It's crazy, it's right? huge. There's so many great independent movies. The Safdie mm-hmm. brothers with uncut gems, like uh, the these Ari Aster and and Robert Eggers came out with these two amazing movies, and then and then Star Wars sucked. <laughs> of course and, like man. now was, and now i can move on yeah it was dude, worse worth phantom menace <laughs> yeah dude
0: you could just put it to bed and like you can well,
2: I, but now it's because those no. big budget movies were like kind of on a rise for a while and now yeah we're we are always really in down for something interesting uh, i think i mean not just like us they,
0: though like regular people man people yeah. that i'm just talking to like in my everyday life they're more interested like i had you know like i said people were telling me have you seen Midsummer yet? Like, I remember when it came out and I was like, no, I was like, dude, I, I want to talk about it. I'm like, I know I just haven't had the time. Yeah. Just people. I wouldn't even like unassuming. I was like, fuck yeah, dude. Like maybe something might start happening, you know, like where we're going to get more of this. I hope this keeps happening. I hope this continues. I hope so
1: too. I mean, and it looks like it's just getting better and better. I mean, if you, if you look at the witch as it's probably not, but if you look at the witch as the beginning of all this, you basically have a five, year sampling period that we can we can draw from right now and like you said jay last year was a great year for movies not just small movies but like movies in general some some of the bigger movies were i mean like netflix released a a, a original that is one of the best movies i've ever seen i, oh, I mean marriage yeah. story. marriage story yeah. is, it's it's i mean it's unbelievable and like i can only be optimistic but these are
2: small directors with small budgets that use their budgets right and they have enough they have enough like like a lot of it is that these actors are also these big star, these big name actors are working in these movies too sure. with them, and actually giving them the talent they need behind their movies to get enough of a budget to make something that's mid budget, but that is and, but that looks better than any movie you're going to see. Yeah, man, looks better than any movie you're going to see. It has just enough of budget. Movies budget ten have million way dollars. Too big.
1: Hereditary cost ten million dollars to make. Yeah. Versus. Uh, uh Infinity whatever a billion. billion dollars. Billion yeah, dollars. Yeah. Billion and a half dollars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Dude, after marketing and shit, yeah. Yep.
2: After just Tony Stark's
1: uh <laughs> paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> so if you guys are listening to this and you, you haven't seen him yet, for some reason you listen to this whole thing, just go see them. And and if you have seen them, keep an ear out and, and be be a part of that movement and go see these these new independent movies that are coming out because they they need us, basically. It's, it's up to us they now. They really do. We, we have to go out and we have to show Hollywood that these movies are worth making. And the only way we can do that is by giving them the money.
0: That's We want to go to the theater and be surprised. That's exactly what, what's happening.
2: Go see them because I want to see more of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally uh, just selfish. Jay. It's <laughs> over <only laughs> for Jay. Just do, do for for Jay. just do it for Jay.
1: Just do it for Jay. Do you guys have any other final thoughts? Because those were pretty much mine. That's it for me. Um
0: Yeah, I'm I'm pretty I'm I feel pretty good about our conversation here. Um I'm I'm glad that like I I finally got John to watch these movies cuz like as soon as I brought this idea up of like having this conversation he was he was game he was like you son of a bitch i'm, I'm glad you've seen him too I i'm was glad you've seen him this. I, like this is a good this i'm is a probably good the
1: most cynical movie viewer of all yeah. of, of our whole movie f- viewing friend group and it's mostly just because i'm tired of being fucking ripped off
0: <laughs> that's right i man. really i'm
1: really sick of it but now I, I have i'm filled with a i'm revitalized like i'm filled with the, like a second wind a, a a fifth wind, man. This yeah. is like the fifth <laughs> fucking time I've come back, but I'm ready. I'm ready to fucking crush it, and I hope everybody else out there is too. So, thank you so much for tuning in. We had an awesome time. Thank you for listening. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, of course. Thanks, oh Jim. yeah, this episode will come out before the one we just did, which oh. I won't. I won't reveal what we did, but yes, that Jay this Jay one was.
2: Uh... More up my alley, but the other one's good too. <laughs> JJ will be
1: appearing again and again, hopefully multiple times. Uh, as always, you guys can um, uh, email us at filmme six 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 at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any if even if you just want to talk, if you if you enjoy the conversation, you feel like you wanna just bullshit with me or Nick, we'll we'll fucking we'll do it, dude. Yeah, like, dude,
0: we're into it, man. Any we'll, any
1: time of the day. We'll we'll shoot emails back and forth. We can talk we could we could talk about this for another three hours if we wanted to. Um probably what we'll do. <laughs> you could uh, you could follow us on uh, Instagram at uh, filmian666. And as our as our little intermission bits always uh, say, if you like what you're listening to, please uh, give us a good rating, give us a review. Um, it, it's would be tremendously helpful, and we really appreciate doing this. And you know, we we like knowing that people dig what we're listening to. Other than mine and Nick's mom. That's
0: right. Thank <laughs> you, mom. By the way, thank you, love mom. You.
1: We, I love you. <laughs> I'll call you I'll soon, I <laughs> Thank you, Mom, out there, too. All right, everybody. Have a good rest of whatever fucking is going on right now, and we'll
0: see you next time. Thanks, guys. We love you. Watch wow. good
1: movies. Yeah, that was fucking just worth it. I, I yeah, was so, was, so was so I'm so, so glad. So glad that we